Welcome in. This is your Tuesday, nope, Friday scramble. Oh boy, my brain is scrambled for January 14th, 2022. Joining me, and I'm very appreciative of this, is Sia Najad. Sia, welcome. Happy Friday. Happy Friday indeed. Thanks for having me. This is, you know, I'm I'm all in on all of your projects. I'm happy to be subbing in for Andy Lack, who was fantastic, as everybody who's listening knows. Um, yeah, man. And and I, you know, of course I'm gonna lead with this, right, Rick? I hit Kevin Na yesterday, so Let's I'm just it. like in the yeah. best mood ever, just kind of bouncing off things. As far as I can tell, you have been on somewhat of a heater, whether it is like first round leaders. Uh, I I understand you have this legendary first touchdown type prop situation going on it's it's literally uh you know the first whatever should be renamed the sia najad special so the, over the last seven days i've had some conflicts so i i haven't really been around this week relative to most weeks so i've only been able to put out like three kind of bets out there and they're all the kind of gimmicky outright or first round leader or first touchdown score and all three of them have hit so it's just one of those things where the precipitous fall probably starts tonight, I'm guessing. But uh, yeah, I, I hit, I was on the early edge, you know, you know that show powered by um, CBS Sports, of course. And I hit Hunter Renfro, first round leader. I had, or excuse me, first touchdown. I had Cam Smith last week outright. And then Kevin, not today. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know what's not gimmicky there, Sia? Uh, padding your bank account. So it doesn't, doesn't matter what type of wager it is when you're cashing them. And what was, what was Kevin off, 40 to 1? He was 4,000. Yep. 40 to one. Exactly. Oh, mama. Well, actually the coverage for round two starting right now, just as we kick it off, but more importantly, let's, let's get into something that now consumes me every day. Sia, have you mm -hmm. solved today's wordle by any chance? Uh, no, no. I'm, I, you know, Rick, am I the only guy not all in on that? Am I, am I the only one? It seems that if you're on Twitter, uh, it seems that way that you are the only person who's not wordling. And I've, uh, listen, I, I, I like it. I don't think I'll like it for long. I think it'll be a phase where in maybe another week I'll forget about it, but it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. What, what was the phase about? It was about 10 years ago that there was something like this. Oh man, I'm forgetting what it is. Uh, where was it like you, an app? Yeah, it was an app, but it was like, it was like Scrabble, but it was like on Words an app with friends. There we go. Everybody <laughs> was doing that. And then now of course we've like completely forgotten about it. Cause apparently it's not as fun now as it was 10 years ago. So. Yeah. So, you know, have you, have you, you haven't given the Wordle a chance yet? You haven't tried it? That's the thing is I haven't tried it yet. It's really just a time thing. Like, honestly, as soon as I get off of this show, I'll probably just dive in and then be addicted like the rest of the Twitter world, I guess. There you go. There you go. Sony Open. Round two, getting started literally as we speak on this Friday morning. I can see the lights coming on at the driving range. They're setting up for their featured groups, but... So far, so good, Sia. I mean, how, do, how are you liking this first kind of full field event of 2022? I'm loving it. Uh, yeah. I'm loving the coverage. I'm loving, you know, the leaderboard. I like that some of these sort of uh, these guys that have sort of been off our radars over the last six months or so. Some of those like, let's say in DraftKings, those 6K or 7K yeah. guys are the suddenly Hank of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the Hank shout out. Uh, Patton Kazire, of course. I know, you know, I wasn't on him in DFS. Actually, I considered him, but I know a lot of people were on him in DFS. And I know this isn't a DFS show, but that's like my frame of reference, right? And Kazire is just absolutely crushing it. Um, you know, I was actually looking at second round matchups today to see if I could get an edge. And, and unfortunately, I haven't put a lot of time into it. But uh, yeah, man, a, a lot of these, this is like, 
I feel like we haven't had a ton of full field golf and maybe this isn't true, but for like three to four months, because we had the FedEx cup playoffs It is, and then true, we had, yeah. a few, you know, we had a few tournaments like the Fortinet and a few kind of peppered in there, but you know, it was kind of, it, it wasn't what it is right now. And then of course we had the break and then we had the tournament of champions last week. Like I feel like golf season just started yesterday, frankly. Yeah. yeah the real last full field event was the RSM classic. That was mid November. So you're talking mm-hmm. about at least two months, but I know a lot of people don't necessarily check in for the fall. So yeah, this, this might actually feel like the true start to the season. And in, in Kevin, Na fashion, He's out in front again. This is an event that he is currently defending, Sia, and he's got a couple of interesting other names at the top of the leaderboard. So Kevin Nall, one shot clear of Jim Furyk, believe it or not, and Russell (laughs) Henley. And if you were to kind of ask me to describe the types of names that I would think would be near the top of the leaderboard at the Sony Open at Wiley, it'd be Kevin Nall, maybe maybe Jim Furyk, maybe Russell Henley, those types of golfers. Totally agree. And that's why, you know, a lot of these tournaments – at least you know at least the third of these tournaments bring everybody into play and, and i don't mean everybody into play to top 10 i mean everybody into play to like outright win and so you have the you know the kevin nas of the world the russell henley's these, these shorter hitters like you know tom hogue for example is another sort of popular guy uh this week in particular like some of these kind of middling guys they actually have some outright top five equity in tournaments like this in spite of the fact that there is talent at the top or alleged talent i mean webb simpson what are we doing here bud yeah, uh, Sung JM also, who was like in dead last the last time I checked. Let's see where yeah. Sung Jay finished. Uh, did he make a couple of birdies coming in? He finished plus one, I believe. Yeah, he did. He was okay, so he birdied 17 and 18 coming in to at least salvage that, but mm-hmm. he's got work to do if he's going to find the weekend. Um, and Webb Simpson finished at three under, so that's T40, so he'll likely see the weekend, but we, we need more from these guys, don't we? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, this is, this is sweat day, right? You know, Friday is like the day that's probably the most stressful day of, of golf for me, at least it's the most stressful day of golf, but you know, can we talk about Seamus power just for a second? Because (laughs) sure. Listen, Rick, a a couple weeks ago on the first cut, we were talking about is Seamus power just a guy or Mm -hmm. is he a guy that's starting to start starting to pass people and we're just sort of witnessing the middle of it. And I'm starting to think that it's the latter because remember, Rick, I, I was complimenting you on rickrungood.com on the like the weighted strokes portion. And yeah, we looked Thank at you. his strokes gain two weeks ago going into the tournament of champions, and he was like number two. But then right. you, when you did the weighted strokes, it was number 19. And I'm right. like, all right. And you said, well, that's still pretty good. And he still presents value in this field. And then my retort to that was, yeah, but that's static, right? Like we, like that's what it is right now. Like, are we actually witnessing like a climb? It, I don't like, what's the answer to that question? I don't know. Well, I guess we're going to find out in the next six months or so, but I think a lot of the advanced metrics sets up, set up really well for him, right? The, the ball striking ability, but when you, and you're absolutely right, he hasn't, played a lot of really strong fields and now that he's a winner and now that he can pick his schedule and he can show up at a lot of different places we're going to learn what Seamus power is so buying him now assuming his stock is kind of on the rise is exciting and I mean he did it again and he missed a couple of short putts on Thursday that uh without those you know he was he he could have spoiled your Kevin Na first round yes. leader bet with a couple of a couple of short putts but I'm, I'm very excited about what Seamus power is turning into yeah, I mean, he missed like a a two and a half. Well, I mean, it wasn't two and a half. It was like three to three and a half feet on eighteen. He missed yeah. he missed one a chippy right there, 
And I mean, in all seriousness, I thought Henley was going to just go ahead and take that. That uh, how did he knock it up and down from from literally like 15 yards off the not even 10 yards off the green on 18? Get up and down, split your first round leader, and he bangs it into the hill and doesn't make the putt. Yeah, I had a friend in the crowd, and he yelled something <laughs> right before that chip. So that's, don't even that's say that. That, that is okay because that is literally when when I have any conversation with like networks or people that are like concerned about golf betting that is always their biggest fear is that somehow this is going to um allow people or give people a reason to interfere with the actual action that's always everyone's biggest fear uh it reminds me and this is going to be a professional transition i think rick uh i i just watched a netflix special on arizona state university back in like the mid 90s Mm. where a couple of guys um this guy named headache smith uh were were basically paid they were kind of they were kind of in it for like 10k from from gambling and they got approached by somebody and they started point shaving and then the next thing you know like all you know people are these like big time guys are unloading millions of dollars and winning because they know what the deal is and all these other you know unsuspecting people are losing it's it's pretty crazy yeah boston college had, had they had done that as well i think so um that would be the only so golf is generally immune to outside tinkering I think mm-hmm. because because first of all, it's hard enough as it is. It's not like you can say, okay, uh, Ryan Armour, this is your week to win. Go go get it, buddy. Like yeah. it, it's hard to say that. I suppose the only place that outside influences could come in would be matchups, and you essentially what would be taking a dive, right? You you yeah. shaving strokes instead of shaving points. And I think the good news is, especially with the guys that are actually on tour. Like there's just not enough incentive for them to do that. Correct. And for the record, to the extent they were going to do that, all the bells and whistles would go off if somebody all of a sudden put like $3 million on you know, Hank Leviota to beat, you know, Tom. Yeah. Or whatever. The reason you could get, the reason you could get college kids to do this is because they weren't making any money and 10 grand and 20 grand was a, a ton. And if you walked into any Vegas casino, and put $10,000 on a college basketball game or a hundred thousand dollars on a college basketball game, nobody would bat an eye. These pros make way too much money to, for them to be incentivized. And you could never get it back by walking into anywhere and putting a million dollars down on Ches Reeve over Ryan armor. That would be like the, the biggest red flag ever. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. our sport is, is, is tinker proof. It sounds like. It is. It is Tinko proof. And, and I mean, it's exploding. And I like I, I really so there are and I think this maybe maybe gets us to. I don't know why I'm so tr- I'm trying so hard to get us to the Netflix conversation. Yeah, we're going to get there. By. We'll get there. But, but no, like I'm not really tr- <laughs> I'm, I'm not like truthfully, I'm not like trying to push that conversation. But like there's so many there's just so many implications with that Netflix series. And I think one of them long term, if we're took, if we're taking a long term view. We have like one major sport in this country, as far as I'm concerned, and it's, it's the NFL. When yeah. I say major, I'm saying like top of the hill, nobody's even close, right? Right. I think the NBA is right there. I think way be, be, behind that, if we're talking about the quote, and I'm air quoting here for, you know, it's the four major sports. Obviously, baseball is, is behind that and then hockey well behind that. But I think golf is in a position to not only be in the conversation of that quote major sport, but to actually, and I'm talking from a viewership and maybe a a gambling standpoint, I think it actually could surpass hockey and baseball quite easily. I'm already there obviously, but, but I I think this is a sport now, now you put the Netflix lens on it. And I think Mm -hmm. this is a sport over time. Once you get used to some of these personalities, all of a sudden, 
people identify with these guys like they do with maybe some NBA players or NFL players. And then boom, here you are. Yeah, it is interesting because I do think that the that third spot, that third major sport is kind of up for grabs, right? Totally. Baseball, the national pastime, I think in recent years has dwindled in popularity and, um, you know, the way it's broadcast regionally and all that stuff. There's a lot of complications and hockey has never been particularly popular. So, yeah, there is kind of a clear one, two, And of course, the NBA being much more of a global sport than the NFL mm-hmm. is just because of kind of where it's played. But yeah, that third spot, I guess in America right now, be college football or something like that. But like that's up for oh, that's, that's under the football grabs. umbrella. But you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But that's up for grabs. And mm-hmm. to hopefully and I've never really been like, wow, the PGA is so forward thinking. I like those words have probably never come out of my mouth, but they've made some interesting steps in the last 18 months that has made me rethink that. Okay, so you're right. The PGA isn't very forward-thinking, but no major sport is. Maybe the NFL is. It's so easy to market their players. And, of course, the NBA is because they're, they're worldwide. They don't even really need to market their players because they're just, they're just out there. They're, like, there's no helmet on. They're, they play a certain number of games right. per season. They're worldwide. They're on, like, in every co- major country. Golf is really ahead of the game, though. I mean, the NBA, excuse me, the MLB and the NHL, they are – it's deplorable how they market their star players. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's, it's actually in terms of the MLB, they don't even let the players have fun when they hit a home run. You do that. And you're looking at a hard ball going at your head or your spine at your next at bat. I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy. So golf is in this position to like, to your point, to really capture like the bronze medal here, which is nothing to frown upon. Mike Trout could walk through Times Square and not get recognized, which is like a shocking, it's like egregious because he's maybe the best player to ever play the sport. So you're absolutely right there. One thing real quick, we'll put a bow on the Sony Open and we'll dive into this Netflix thing real quick. But Brian's in the chat and I thought this was something that um, came up yesterday that I don't know how much they talked about. I was, I I usually mute the coverage, so I'm not sure how much they were actually talking about this, but Seemingly, Kevin Na was playing very slow on Thursday, and a lot of it was on the putting greens. And really, the only reason I know that, Sia, is because Taylor Gooch, every time he was done putting, was basically on the next tee waiting for Kevin Na to catch up, which I thought was an interesting way to deal with that situation. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really interesting. I, I wonder if, you know, as the tournament goes, that he's going to get called on that. I mean, it's so rare for that to happen, but... I'm obviously not complaining. He clearly needed to be dialed in on, on all those putts to become you know, the, the first round leader. I don't know what to say about that. I, a lot of people play really slowly and it's really frustrating, especially when it's round four. I think in, in round one, maybe it's forgiven a little bit more, not just by the officials, but the players themselves as well. I think round four, when it's really coming down to it, I think that's when it becomes a really big problem because the pressure's ramped up so much. All right. I want to dive just head first into this Netflix documentary. We're going to take 30 quick seconds and we'll talk about that on the other side. Caesar Sportsbook has a new awesome offer for those who haven't signed up yet. They will match your first bet, win or lose up to $1,001. That means no risk on your first wager up to a grand. If that doesn't move the needle, they are also giving out a free authentic NBA jersey of your choice if you wager $100 on an NBA game by January 19th. And yes, both offers can be combined. This offer from Caesars and more offers from BetMGM and BetRivers are available at rickrungood.com bets. Find your state and find your offer. More states being added often. Good luck. 
All right, Sina Jad, Netflix has revealed the cast of what is going to be basically, I don't even want to call it a PGA Tour documentary. It's more like a golf documentary because we've got the major championships involved, all of them, including Augusta National. We have five of the top seven players in the world. I'll read off the list here in just one second, but this is really a follow-up to the F1 Drive to Survive docu-series that netflix did i i i'll I'll admit it i've not watched it yet have you watched it (laughs) no but but i will say this i I haven't watched it and i you know it's partly because i'm not really into f1 but but i think the point of that series at least among friends of mine that also never watched f1 was that it sort of transcended the sport you know you you started to identify with the personalities and all of a sudden became a fan of f1 which is exactly what I think this is going to do as well. But the cool thing is with this, you have a much, especially in the United States, you in Canada, whatever, North America, you have a much wider base that's already going to be interested in it. I mean, I think with the F1 thing, you had to kind of pull people in and be like, hey, you know, check this out. You're really going to like it with golf. I think they're already, they're, they're already walking towards it, if not running towards it. F1 by nearly any metric that you want to look at has exploded in the United States in the last year. And this Netflix series, while maybe you cannot 100% connect the growth of viewership in the United States to that Netflix series, it's generally given a lot of credit. And to your point, see, it just the reviews have been phenomenal. I'll sit down and I'll watch this at some point, but everybody I've ever heard talk about it loved it. And you're seeing an immediate uptick in viewership here in the United States. So I think that's important because it shows this could be pretty powerful. Right, I mean Netflix, the what largest streaming network on planet Earth. I, there's a lot of opportunity for new eyeballs. So I I kind of liken it to NFL Hard Knocks, which started I don't mm. know somewhere between 15 and probably 16 years ago. And the thing is, I think the pushback there would be like, oh well, that's football. You know, everybody loves football. But like, I think what that show did was to really show what from a day-to-day standpoint what these athletes were like and i think this series is going to do the exact same thing so for me in much like the f1 thing even if you're not like super into golf you're just not into golf at all i think you're going to want to know what what it's like to be you know a golfer just just yourself you know training and playing inside and outside the ropes people love the behind the scenes and it's also different than hard knocks where okay hard knocks they're getting on the team bus they're going to the hotel they're eating meals together they're all doing the same thing Mm -hmm. golfers are not imagine Mm -hmm. the difference between john daly preparing for a round and tiger woods preparing for a round obviously we're not going to get those names but even joel damon who is eating a hot dog as he's walking to the first tee yesterday and drinking a Mountain Dew at the turn, probably a little bit different than what some of these other guys are doing. And and I think just the the behind-the-scenes nature of it, the difference between every player, and really player caddy, right? Because that Mm -hmm. I imagine that's going to be part of it. That always perks everybody's ears up. We're going to see things that we've never seen before, hopefully. Oh, 100%. And I think it's it's going to be really interesting how the fans and just the, the viewers react to this because you might, you might see Joel Dahman do that and be like, I oh, mean, this guy's not, this guy's not super ready. Like, where's like the pregame meal that I saw, you know, just Daniel Berger, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, what's up with the routine. And then Joel Dahman doesn't do well that particular tournament. And then everybody's just like trashing him on Twitter. Like get your, get your stuff together guy, you know, it, it, which all of that stuff might be irrelevant at the end of the day, but it's going to be really interesting 
all these guys are all of a sudden going to be in the spotlight. Of course, some of them were already in the spotlight, right? Like Ricky Fowler. I mean, you know, there, there's some guys, you know, Jordan Spieth. Uh, there's some guys that are used to Brooks Kepka are used to the spotlight, but a lot of these guys aren't. And I'm going to be really intrigued. I think there's so many little things that that we're going to see at the show that maybe we didn't anticipate. And I think one of them is going to be how these guys actually react to the attention that they get. They're all going to be able to build their brands. It's going to be a net positive no matter what. But at the end of the day, how you know how do they react? Because all of a sudden, this is going to be stuff that people haven't seen before and right. are going to want to comment on. So five of the top seven players in the world have signed on to this. Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland, Xander Shoffley. Those five alone, outstanding. Anytime you can get more Dustin Johnson, I'm in for. We were talking about this a little bit. We, we just scratched the surface on it on the First Cup podcast uh, last night. And to me, Justin Thomas is the guy that I could see him coming out of this looking really good. I could see him coming out of this looking very bad. He's like the X factor in this. So I'm interested to see how kind of the light gets shined on some of these different guys. Okay, I'll tell you right now. Spoiler alert. He's going to look really good. And it's spoiler because, alert. and by the way, I, I caught, Before the I series caught, has even filmed a single minute. Because, <laughs> and here's why. Here's why I know I'm, I'm going to be right here. Because he now has a PR team behind him. Because uh, he probably already did, by the way. But because of some of the stuff that happened over the last year, year and a half, he's got people behind him that know that they need to market him a certain way because of some of the slips and falls he's had. And I just don't think he signs up for this documentary not knowing that I I still have an image to rehabilitate, maybe not with everybody, but at least with some people. And I am a world-class golfer, and this could be a springboard for me to not only get to get back to where I was in terms of the public perception, but to absolutely surpass that. So I think he is one of the few guys that really stands to benefit from this series more than others. Steven in the chat uh, brings up an interesting point that I, I think worries me a little bit. So the F1 series with its great success, like the F1 has really heat of the moment, you know, a, a mistake in a millisecond, you know, can crash somebody and can, and, and can raise these uh, fumes and, and, and competition and rivalries and hatred between their athletes. Does golf have that? You know, we got the faux Bryson Brooks thing. I, I feel like, rivalry can't be a driving factor of this or else they're not going to find much of it. I totally disagree. Wow. I, okay. I do. And here's, here's why, because we are assuming that that those rivalries don't exist. That's how true. about, how about, <laughs> how about that they do exist on a small level that, that we don't recognize when we're actually watching them play, but now they are going to be amplified because all these guys are on camera and they mutter something under their breath about, let's say slow play of Kevin Na or, Oh man, I, I can't stand when I'm paired up with this guy or, or, Oh man, I'm playing ahead of him. That, that really sucks. Those things snowball into rivalries. This mm. show will actually, whether the rivalries exist right now or not, this show will bring out some rivalries that some of these players didn't even necessarily know existed. I think I agree with that because when we did get the every shot live and we got the uh, Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth talking about Rory Sabatini and how kind of yes. weird he is and how he's like this weird old guy and they don't want to hit into him. And oh, well, anybody on tour to hit into, I hit yep. into Rory Sabatini. Like, I, okay, I, I'm with you. That could grow. That could grow a little bit of angst or, you know, um, division between players. I could see that. I mean, listen, there's, there's four rounds 
every single weekend. Are we to believe that all of these guys, they're not all going to be mic'd up at the same time, that all of these guys, like they, they just never say anything. They're just talking about their shot the entire time. It, it's a ridiculous no. notion. Some of this stuff is going to spell out and it's going to be fantastic. And honestly, they're coworkers and people talk shit on their coworkers all the time, right? And like all clicks form and it's, that's literally what happens. These guys are actual coworkers. Rest of this roster, um, this is alphabetically. So Abraham Answer, Daniel Berger, Cam Champ, Joel Damon, Tony Finau. Then we're going to get Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler. Those two, Fleetwood and Fowler, interesting. Sergio, Harry Higgs and Max Homa. Okay. Victor Hovland, who I might have already mentioned. Brooks Kepka, Kevin Na, Mito Pereira, Ian Poulter, Jordan Spieth, and Bubba Watson. Um, you've got a, a range of characters there. You've got young guys. You've got older guys. You've got Americans. You've got international. I'll tell you what, they didn't get Rom. They didn't get Rory. They didn't get Bryson. But this is a pretty br- well thought out cast. You've got a lot of different angles to attack this from. This is so fantastic. I mean, they're they're under the radar names. I think they'll that'll be under the radar to some people. Like. Max Homa, for example, Harry Higgs, that I think are going to be potentially like stars of the show. I mean, Max Homa in particular, I could see him being kind of a mainstay of what, however this series sort of pans out. I could see him providing maybe a little bit more commentary, a little bit more footage than, than some of these other guys, because he's fantastic. He's super funny, uh, very likable in my opinion. And then of course you have all the superstars. I'm very curious about Victor Hovland. I mean, Rick, you're going to know this better than pretty much anybody who comments on this stuff. I mean, how is Victor going to be in front of a camera? Because to me, as a guy who isn't friends with him and who has not interviewed him, I feel like he's just going to kind of be there. And that's not, I'm not saying anything disparaging. I just, I don't know how much personality, I think he's going to be kind of funny because of of his, of his, the way about him. But I don't know if he's going to flash much personality, but am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. I guess it depends on what the format of this is, right? Are they going to do it reality TV style where they go talking head, right? And, you know, cut cut to Victor Hovland in a, in a phone booth and he's doing a talking head. I don't know. I think what will come out is I think he'll be very endearing because I, I don't mm-hmm. think that anybody has a bad word to say about him. You're right. I don't think he's going to be the main star. I don't think he's going to be causing drama he's not going to be that guy right he's not going to be that guy but i think any situation that he gets himself in um it'll be whole whole look very positive and i think people are gonna are gonna really enjoy him yeah that's fair is there anybody i'm curious is there anybody that you think is going to cause drama i mean jordan spieth could cause a lot of drama jordan spieth is and i like jordan spieth a lot obviously but he's not for everybody (laughs) right and you see that on twitter you see it everywhere like that that constant talking through everything and he's almost paranoid about every single shot and the way that he might talk to Michael Greller I I could see people being like oh he's annoying or he's just like he's just too much he grinds my gears I don't necessarily feel that way in my interactions with him and stuff and and what I see but like I could see that I could see that you know who I think is is going to be somewhat of a lightning rod? And he's not a big name on this list, so maybe I'm wrong. Well, there's two guys, actually. One of them, and this is, okay, I have to ask you this because this is so random to me, and I had to, like, double and triple check it when I, when I found it out. I should have known this, okay? I do, I do golf stuff with you. I should have known this. But do you know who finished third in the FedEx Cup points last year, 2021? Oh, uh, I think I actually, was it Kevin Na? 
Yes. How yeah. would how okay, like how because was it he, Kevin Na? Because he won him and John Rom won the shadow leaderboard at the tour championship. So that was like so he moved up a ton of spots that's so heavily weighed. Yes, it's it's Kevin okay. Na. He so he will be a lightning rod for sure. Well, that's what I was gonna say. So he yeah. will be a lightning rod. He's one of the two. And for the record, that 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 is really ample evidence that maybe the the FedEx Cup points race should be tweaked a little bit because I'm I'm Kevin Na was good last year. He he made a ton of cuts and he he had a, he had a, at least five top tens. He had one outright, I believe. But yeah, I'm sorry. Third is but okay. So it's Kevin Na and Sergio Garcia. Those are the two that I think might be like somewhat of lightning rods. Yeah. So I guess what's interesting is, uh, and I don't know how F1 works. I don't know if they like if the, is every racer in every race, or do they pick and choose? It's a good question. My guess is no. See, my guess would have been yes. Okay. But I don't, I don't know why. Someone in the chat will let us know. But so, so what I'm getting at here is, I think the stars or the people where all the storylines are going to be driven around are guys that are in contention at the events that they're filming, right? So while Kevin Na, if we followed Kevin Na around for 12 months and filmed everything he did and had him on a hot mic all the time, I think he'd be a lightning rod, but I think he's only going to be a lightning rod in this if he's in contention often. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to give them a reason to show you. That's true. And he is not going to play maybe as many events as some of these guys, but I think a lot of this, and I'm totally speculating at this point, but I think a lot of this is, is going to be kind of off, off the field, off the court, if you will. Hmm. Um, so that you're going to see a lot more from just a background standpoint as opposed to a comp. I mean, let's liken cool. it to Hard Knocks, for example, where yeah, if you true. watch an episode, it's like you, you only really see the game at the very like end. Like two minutes you know? at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that. Steven says, yes, every racer is in every race. The same 20 sure. guys for every race of the year. I thought it would have been more than that. Um, I mentioned no John Rahm. I mentioned no Rory McElroy. I mentioned no Bryson DeChambeau, but Bryson was the only one who's been asked about this so far, and he had a very Bryson – esque quote so asked about it he said quote there's a lot of great people on there if i was to go on there yeah it would be cool to see but i feel like there's a lot of more interesting stories you've got harry higgs you've got numerous others i don't want to take the light away from them for their potential growth sorry for them for their potential to grow themselves in a manner that's unique to them when they're already pretty far behind they have the opportunity to grow a lot more than I do in that regard. End quote. So Bryson seemingly uh, ranking himself on the <laughs> clout meter. And I, and he think he puts himself near the top. Okay. So here's the thing though. I, I am not team Bryson. I've always been team Brooks. I didn't get a shirt from you, but I've always been team Brooks. However, I don't think I can crush Bryson for this. There's two things we have to acknowledge from here on out about Bryson DeChambeau. Okay. We are going to microanalyze every single thing he says. Correct. Okay, so let's 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 give him some benefit of the doubt that every word that comes out of his mouth isn't going to be pristine. Okay, because unfortunately he's under the microscope and literally nobody else in golf is. With that said, yeah, that that the tail end of that comment it wasn't great. However, in the only this is the only pushback I'm going to give. It was true. Okay, in terms yes. of the like, forget about followers <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. In terms of the spotlight as it as it stands right now, Bryson really gets it more than anybody and, and that's been true for the last year or two so the statement is true and yeah is it kind of arrogant is it unnecessary i guess but it's also an explanation i mean at least it's his alleged explanation for not being on the show so if it's an explanation for not being on the show and it's true i can't crush him for it. 
He's not wrong for sure. And I also think that he knows the fir- he knows what you said first, which is everything we do or brother he does, we put underneath a microscope. And I think giving up the freedom to determine what gets out and what is shown mm-hmm. to Netflix is a very scary proposition for Bryson because that will be, if it's shown negatively or whatever, taken out of context, or he just slips up and says something stupid, it's all we're going to talk about. So he, so he doesn't right. relinquish the control here. You're so right. He's a control freak, which is sometimes a bad thing. And sometimes it propels you to being a, a top 10 golfer in the world. So let's, let's put that out there. But you're, I didn't think of that. You're right. He does his own docu docu series. Like, why would he relinquish control of the, you know, editing of that right. with somebody that is probably going to want to put them, put him out there at least every once in a while in a negative light. That's gotta be the primary reason. That's such a good point. If we had these 20 guys committed to something and we could do anything we wanted with them, uh, is there a different format you'd like to see? For example, Survivor. Let's put these guys on an island. Let's see what happens. Big Brother. They all have to live together. Um, I, I don't know. Is there any other format that you think might be interesting or just pure chaos? So I watch the MTV Challenge uh, a lot. I don't know okay. if you're familiar with that um, show. Is there if there's like a physical aspect to it? Is there, yeah, it's yeah, a okay. competition reality show. It's been around for longer than really any other reality show has been around, at least a, a competitive one. And it was born from the real world, which of course was the first reality show that ever existed. And it, it has that big brother quality to it, but it has a little bit more competition involved as well. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. So to your point, like that survivor big brother type of genre, I think that would be fantastic. I, I like, I can't like, you asked me the question. I can't think of anything. I'm glad you gave me some examples because I think in some sort of competitive format, like, or, you know, big brother format outside of golf. I mean, I'm just imagining it and it's hilarious. Yeah. I think that you put them in the same house and they're only allowed to leave to go to play the tournaments and they have to come back afterwards and they have to live together. And I think that would be, I think it would be horrible and amazing and, and beautiful and you can get out, but like, uh, yeah, you know, you put it, I don't know what big brother is like a million bucks at the end and, You'd have to give them, you'd have to offer more than that. But um, yeah, cameras so, on these guys at all times would be, would be scary stuff. So if it was like an MTV challenge type thing, like Survivor meshed with Big Brother meshed with MTV challenge. So yeah. like all those sort of components and you had a winner at the end, the, the, the factors involved would have to be like, you'd have to be like good at competition. You'd have to be relatively smart and political and you'd have to be very likable. With so those who, factors in mind, I already have the winner. You want to oh guess God. who it is? Uh so you've got to be, yeah, you got to be pretty savvy here. You got to be good physically. Mm-hmm. And you got to be likable so that you don't get voted off, for example. Or you right. don't get I, I have a low-key winner. I don't know if this is the same guy you think. I think Dustin Johnson would win that. No, no, no. I it's That's wrong, Rick. <laughs> Clearly, I know who would win. Um, it would be Colin Morikawa. I knew you were going to say Colin Morikawa. I, okay, he was next on my list. The problem with that is everyone knows Colin's a threat. Uh, Dustin could fly under the radar, likable. Everyone would uh, underestimate him. Oh, he doesn't know what's going on in this game. He's not even trying. He's like the most athletic guy in the house. And he, I, I don't know. I think he'd be low key, pretty, pretty savvy. I, the thing about Dustin, like Colin is very clearly likable. Period. There's nobody that doesn't like, I don't know that I'd put Dustin in the likable category. I, not that he's dislikable. I just, I feel like he's just kind of there. Like, I don't think he's like, 
he doesn't have that like sweet face that like, oh, this guy's so nice. He's just kind of there. Like Colin is like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to vote this guy off. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to beat this guy. I don't think Colin has the, uh, the, the cutthroat mentality to, to, to win something like this. There you go. So it looks like you're uh, team Colin as well. My wife is in the chat, which is always a scary thing. She says the bachelor and they all compete for quality time with tiger. So in this case is tiger, the bachelor, I think. Yeah, he's like the guy you want to hang out with. He's like right. he's the, the cool the cool guy. And he hands out roses, and then the guy at the end gets to spend like a weekend away like at his house and getting golf tips. That's right. It'd be Justin Thomas though, right? Is that is it Justin? Is yeah, like that'd be like the fixes in. Do you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I do not, but I know of the show. So I um, there was a season, I guess, recently, and I don't know the full details of this, but like the bat, I guess it was The Bachelorette she was like, yeah, I'm done. Like two weeks in, she like already picked the guy and they had to like replace her like for the rest of the show. So that would be like, what would happen with Tiger and Justin? It's like three days in, he'd be like, we don't need to do the rest of this. I'll just take JT and we'll be done here. And they'd have to recast Tiger and bring somebody else in. How selfish to not just go through the entirety of the show. Like, can you at least pretend? Just fake it. Like, just fake it. Like, the whole show is like six weeks anyway. Just fake it for three more weeks and pick the guy that you're picking right now and move on with your life. Okay, I I am going to. uh, I guarantee you they're broken up. Oh, can somebody check on that? I almost certainly broke it up. You don't. You don't fall in love in two weeks. And yeah, come on, that's not a thing. Yeah, my wife says they are broken up. It was Claire's season, um, apparently. So um, the that's the, four outrights in a row. The worst four in a row. The worst <laughs> thing is literally night two. The girl who has spoken or the guy that has spoken to them for a combined two and a half minutes is like, I'm falling for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah, really. Oh, I'm I can love. see us together. I can't. I'm like you. Literally, that is a stranger, my friend. That's a stranger to you. I I finally know what love is. It's shocking. All right. We are going to talk about, uh, we're going to do a little fun and games on the other side, but first I got to pay the bill. So I'll see you in 30 seconds. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun i love it and you will too sign up at rickrungood.com all right see a couple odds and ends here before we get out of here i have noticed and this kind of goes back to our conversation about potentially the growth of golf i have noticed what is seemingly an influx of people who are writing about dfs golf who are are tweeting about golf betting who are doing something in the industry which i i personally believe is a great thing right the more people talking about it the more people who are involved raises all boats all that good stuff so um have you noticed this or am i making it up um you're not making it up and the thing is is people are finally catching on i mean I was, and part of the reason I'm I'm here today, like talking to you or that I'm on the first cut pod or doing stuff with Wind Daily Sports is because about, I don't know, 15 years ago, I found out that betting on golf was profitable, but also really, really fun. And then, you know, DFS 
came along for the ride as well. And so I'm like, I literally would talk to my friends and I'd say, how is nobody else noticing this? Like, I understand there's people betting on golf. That's why the lines are out there, but it's not getting any attention whatsoever. And then I think, you know, thanks to people like you, Rick, in the past, like two to three to four years, all of a sudden people are like, their, their eyes are open to it. So you add Twitter to that mix and it's, of course, <laughs> it's going to explode for a sport that is literally 11 out of 12 months in the year, extremely active. So That's- it's like, why wouldn't they be out there? That's the key. It's basically year round. It's once a week like football, but instead of 18 weeks, you get 48 weeks. There's no other situation in which uh, you can cash a 40 to 1, 50 to 1, 100 to 1 ticket in four days. That doesn't exist anywhere else. It, It really is a fascinating little, terribly annoying, make you want to pull your hair out sport to bet on. (laughs) It is. And the DFS sweat, you know, is typically four days as well. And you got head to head matchups that, you know, you can do that before the tournament, but then you have data before plus during the tournament that you can utilize to bet. And, and there's people out there that are, that are covering those sort of um, those sort of like finer details of betting on sports. Well, that's even probably the bigger point because I imagine the vast majority of people who are betting on a sporting event are doing it for entertainment purposes, right? It's because there's a mm-hmm. Monday night football game on and they want to put 50 bucks on it and have a rooting interest. Well, now your 50 bucks instead of lasting three hours is lasting hopefully four days, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like more bang for your buck if you're just betting for entertainment purposes as well. And I, I, I genuinely think that of the betting population, 95%, if not more, are doing it for entertainment purposes. They're not yeah. paying their electric bill next month because of you know, Bryson top tenning. I hope so, not. So it, it is, it, and golf makes, if you're doing it for entertainment, to your point, it makes it way more fun if that quote entertaining bet gets to last four days instead of three hours. Yeah. All right. Here's what I want to do. We'll end on something fun here. So Mina Kimes uh, tweeted something out a couple of days ago that has gotten the Twitterverse all fired up. So she asks, what is your goofiest sports take that you actually kind of believe? She says hers is that the Bills truly want to get the most out of Josh Allen. They have to build a dome which I think is an interesting concept, but people took this and ran with it, Sia. And I know that you, especially being with your knowledge of the NFL and other sports, like this is a fun little thing that I just gave people an opportunity to tweet something without having to actually back it up with any substance. (laughs) I love the the back end of that part without having to back it up with any substance. By the way, I think Josh Allen would actually be better served without a dome because he's such a good runner that I think in the cold weather, that's a huge asset to him as opposed to, you know, the temperatures being, you know, pristine. With that said, so hopefully Mina Kimes will at me. That would be fun. So with that said, here's my goofiest take. And I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as goofy, but it's definitely going to be universally disagreed with. Okay. It is that whether you're talking about the most talented, it's not a golf take, whether you're talking about the most talented quarterback in the NFL ever, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. just a more sort of um, obtuse word, like like just the best quarterback in the NFL Mm -hmm. of all time. I don't think Tom Brady is the answer to either of those. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a tough, that's going to be a tough sell. Okay, so who... 
that that leads to the natural question of who is the answer to that question. So if we're talking about just all around quarterback, if yeah. we're, we're going to go the best, actually, okay, I'll, I'll give you the most talented. Talented is Aaron Rodgers. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is more talented okay. than Tom Brady throughout his career. But if we're just I talking think... about best, and this is the one that people are really going to disagree. I was going to say Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, talent. Okay, sure. Yeah, okay, so that's fine. So best quarterback ever. If I'm if I'm drafting a team right now, and I can pick any quarterback in their prime. It's not Aaron Rodgers. Okay. It's not Tom Brady. It's a guy that can do everything post and pre-snap better than anybody, in my opinion. And his name, are you ready? Are you sitting down? It's Peyton Manning. Sorry, I just, a thousand people just unfollowed me. So I'm assuming, and I'm not cer- certainly a uh, football ex- expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I imagine what you are weighing in this in this take is, his ability to alter plays, get his team before the snap, get his mm-hmm. team into a position to succeed that does not show up on the box score. But when you run however many tens of thousands of plays he has in his career, and he's constantly putting his team in a better position, that that is what you are using to increase his value here. That w- I adopt that explanation. I'm in. I'm in on that. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't mind that. How about this one? Field goals should be worth uh, whatever distance they are divided by 10. Oh. 53-yarder, that's now 5.3 points. (laughs) Okay, so, okay, I like actually like that. It's kind of crazy that they're all all the same. That's true, but I think we have to divide by something bigger, only because 5.3 points is almost a touchdown. So, like, that's, I mean, people kick 50. I I can go outside right now and kick a 35-yarder straight through the uprights. Can you do it in an NFL game? I, I don't know, but I, I think the answer is yes. My it's not about me. My point is guys are kicking 50 yarders like it like it's easy. So maybe dividing by 15. How about that? That's not bad. How about this? No football has ever been spotted correctly. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. There are literally Super Bowls that have been decided. A playoff teams that have not advanced to a Super Bowl because oh a referee just kind of blindly spots a ball and it happens to be two inches short. And then you go to instant replay and there, there's not a definitive look and this team loses because they got a bad spot. It's crazy. So just to be clear, how spotting a football works is... 25-year-old mega superhuman athletes running at full speed into one another, crashing around uh, a a 72-year-old guy trying to keep up with probably bad eyesight, trying to see when his knee went down, where the ball was. And in, in our game of inches, right, it's a game of inches and these balls are never being spotted correct like that. It's, it is so outrageously arbitrary and it's a shame because we have the technology to say where that ball is at all times. Yeah. I mean, technically we have instant replay, but that doesn't work all the time, especially when it comes to spotting a football. But what's funny about your explanation is you're right about what you just said, the 72 year old, but a lot of times the 72 year old is trying to catch up to the track star who runs a four or five and he's like 10 yards behind him. And then has to catch up and spot the ball. So, like, a lot of times the referee isn't even in a place to really give a definitive spot. Baseball should have three balls and three strikes. Get rid of one ball. It would make it more even. Three balls, three strikes. It would speed up games. You'd have more offense and people would watch it more. Here's the problem. Baseball uh, does not accept good ideas. They no, just they actually you have a good idea, them. I promise you, <laughs> they will reject it immediately that's a great that's actually a good idea in my opinion great idea i just had uh okay how about this 
this is this is very vague. I don't know how this would work. It just says get rid of the draft in all sports. So I so mean. how do how do players from college or amateur statuses get on new teams? They just pick what team they want to go to. Yeah, that's we're gonna need some more specificity there. I don't, yeah, I, I think, think I like that. I think I'm gonna need uh, some more. Hold on. So let me see here. Um, <laughs> A practice swing should be a two-shot penalty is one that I saw. I also saw if you can find your ball in a water hazard, it's you get a free drop. <laughs> so That's imagine someone waiting, someone waiting in there and trying to trying to find their own golf ball. That's not bad. I like that. All right, let me see what else we got here. Um, no, no, no. These are silly. Relegation comes up a lot. Well, that's what the there is that's relegation what, though. Well, not in oh, say, not I in mean, football. Call it oh. for NFL, yeah. Or I'm NBA sorry, I thought we were talking about that. golf. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's no, true. yeah, there definitely is relegation to golf. That's the one thing that they have right. But the idea of, I guess, you know, if, like, what if you had four, what if you had sixty NFL teams? So my problem with relegation is that I'm a Washington football team fan. Uh, so you got Santana be, Moss be, right over my right shoulder. So relegated. I wouldn't have an NFL team to root for. So no, uh, all right, let idea. me see what else I can find here before we get out of here. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of these specific ones that I don't understand. Okay, this one's pretty interesting, and I've heard this one before. The U.S. Open should only be held at public golf courses. I don't have a problem with that. The, I, I like this, and I actually think I've heard this thrown around as far as PGA championships as well, which is like, if you want to grow the game, if you want to bring this to younger people, more eyeballs, make the sport more accessible, play courses that people can play. And it usually becomes municipal golf courses and play your major championships there. I mean, Torrey Pines, I know, is a municipal. TPC, Harding Park, municipal. Even just public courses. Um, I don't know. I think that would do a lot. I think people would enjoy that. And I think it would help grow the game. I, I'm, I'm pro anything growing the game. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. Do you think it's crazy that baseball stadiums are all completely different dimensions? And yeah. Okay, so I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> this is a sport that will do anything not to sort of like tarnish their, their records, their home run records, their, you know, their, what, whatever, you know, batting average, yeah. stolen bases, you know, all this stuff. And so they're, that's so sacrosanct with this sport. And, and I guess it's part of the reason it's 162 games, which of course is like way too long, but then you have, you know, the left field wall is like, you know, at, at one stadium is like, I don't know, like 300 feet. And at another stadium, it's like 360. Like it, that literally doesn't make any sense. Like my, my point is those home run records to me are trash, especially if you have a home run record with a guy who, who gets to hit over that wall, half of the games that he plays every single year. It, I mean, it's, it's literal trash to me. I mean, yeah, it's great that he hit all the home runs, but it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm sure somebody has done this already, but there is a um, there just like the shot link era in golf. There is a stat cast era in baseball. I don't know how far back it goes. It might only be five or six years, maybe seven years, but you could in theory rerun every mm. single player's hits. Cause you always see those tweets that are like, Oh, this would have been a home run in 32 yeah. of 32 stadiums or in one of 32 stadiums. And you could either, 
overlay that onto the average MLB stadium or do something like that, and you could actually recount homers. Now, you couldn't do that for Babe Ruth or Barry Bonds probably because the stat the stat cast there is probably much later than that, but um, that's interesting. So let me throw that. another baseball one at you. I love how we like touched on all sports except for maybe hockey. Um, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame or should not be? There's a right answer here, Rick. Be careful. I think he should be. Me too. I, I mean, think is he the only one that did steroids, Rick? I mean, seriously. No. <laughs> right. You that he has been, and listen, under no circumstances do I think like Barry Bonds is a good guy or anything like that, but right. he was used as a scapegoat for an era that Major League Baseball had one, either zero control over, or two, turned a blind eye to because things were thriving. Right. The sure. the mm-hmm. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run chase is great for baseball. It's just like at the very best, they just did nothing about it. And I mean, now you know you're going to keep the yeah. guy out with the, the I mean, how does your how is your your hit king and your home run king not in your Hall of Fame? Right. I mean, they'll get in eventually, but I just think it's it's absurd at this point. I'll leave you with this one because this is a pretty good one, too. Each NFL team should only be able to punt three times a game, kind of like timeouts. Use them when you really need it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's pretty clever. That's really good. I like that. That's awesome. Right. Because you'd be stuck and then you get in situations where, okay, you've already punted three times and now it's fourth and 17 from your own 30. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. A lot. I mean, the good news is a lot of coaches are actually going for it on, on fourth and long and, and fourth and short now, but uh, that's a good one. I like it. All right. Quick Sony open update before we get out of here. Round of the day as we are live. He's only played three holes. Jerry Kelly is two under through three. Wow. Jo- Jerry Joel Kelly. Damon birdied his first hole. Uh, worst round of the day. Chris job is Aiden Hodes. bogeyed each of his first two holes. No, I'm sorry. He made a double on number one. And a par on number two. So that makes sense, right? Because Seabez is pretty messy off the tee, right? Yeah, and I think he actually – and that's kind of what got him into trouble. He he drove it left, and then he had to kind of like punch it out, and then it, it got hairy after that. So, yeah, that's – if he can just get to the – if he can get to the green regulation, he'll be just fine. But otherwise, it's uh, it's tough. Sienna Jad, I appreciate you in a big way for coming on this Friday Scramble. Please tell the people – if they need, and I'm sure they do, they need more Sia Najad, where can they find you? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it super short. You can find like all my content at Sia Najad on Twitter. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the, all the stuff I do with football, with golf, with uh, SiriusXM, radio, uh, it's all kind of retweeted and put out there on my Twitter page. I put some picks out there. I actually put my first round plays on Twitter before the first round started. I had four plays. Kevin Knott was one of them, and a lot of people actually tailed it, so... Follow me, maybe turn the notifications on until that gets super annoying, and then you can turn them off if you want. I think I tweet too much to tell people to do that. You tweet the right amount, I feel like, for notifications. Uh, You know, Rick, all your tweets are gold. So Mm. I'm going to not even I believe that. Yeah, I I don't don't believe it either, but they're pretty good. (laughs) I like your tweets. All right, brother. Thank you very much. See you, Najad. We will be back for a Tuesday scramble, obviously, on Tuesday. And. Hope you have a great weekend. Take care. See ya.